Head out to the waterfronts around Darwin at the right time of day and like any coastal town, you'll see people fishing. But from what I've seen on the south and east coast at least, most of the people you'll see dropping in a line will be men, perhaps with their sons in tow not in Darwin. And I look forward to being corrected about this if you've seen differently in other parts of the countries. And especially if you fished around Darwin, what have you noticed about the gender mix? Here I seem to see everyone, men, women, whole families, and obviously the water is very beautiful and you can catch your dinner or challenge yourself against a barra. Why is it so egalitarian here? Rocky Edwards is an avid fisher and the treasurer, treasurer and public officer of AFANT, the peak body for recreational fishing in the Northern Territory. Rocky, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. It's great that you could come in and talk about this. What drew you to fishing? Was it something that you grew up with? No, I don't have that story. I didn't go fishing with dad or brothers, yet I have a few of them. Um, I just happened to be working here in these studios and, in fact, an office just directly opposite this studio and my um, assistant was fishing in a women's team, a brand-new competition, and also a broadcaster, Julia Christensen, was also in that team and they were looking for someone else and they knew I did some scuba diving and thought, Rocky doesn't mind a boat, I think she'll be okay. So they've asked me to fish with them, which I'd never done so I thought, oh, I'll give that a go, whatever that is. Um, and we were fortunate enough at that time, a couple of years before, a woman had decided, right, we need more women fishing. Let's have our own competition. And so she created a, a competition called Real Women's Barra Challenge out on one of the most beautiful billabongs in Australia called Corroboree. And so from that, you could have men skip your team if you couldn't fish or couldn't boat. Or you could be a completely independent team. Back in the day, a lot of them had skippers because most women couldn't fish or boat. But the skippers weren't allowed to do the fishing, were they, when they got not there? Not at all. Oh. But they could tie your knots and they could help you out and those sorts of things because you may not have fished like me. So my first venture out onto the billabong, um, first day of competition, the male skipper's down the back of the boat with me showing me how to cast a rod. And the other two were casting into the lilies, having a great time. And I was um, thrilled to catch a few fish. It's an amazing feeling, isn't it, when the first one comes up? Absolutely. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I think I can do this. But it, it's addictive because you're catching them. And that thrill of the catch was what really got me. But it's that bite as well. There's nothing like a barramundi bite. Well, it's a different way of paying attention to your surroundings, isn't it? You've got to be kind of listening, looking, feeling for the tug on the line. Absolutely. And you've got to be ready to set the hook and all those things. There's a lot to learn. But, you know, it was one of those things that in, you're in one of the most iconic places in the world, uh, the gateway to Kakadu even, with majestic billabongs. So, you know, my first so we, we had a houseboat and a, and a tinny to fish out of and we were actually staying on the billabong. So that was my first venture into any area like that in the Territory. So you mentioned this competition. I'm getting the impression it happened a fair while ago. It would be about 22 years ago, yeah. So how much has the culture shifted in that time? Did one competition just fix things completely and now it's 50-50 on the waterfront or did it take a while? No, I don't think it took too long because I think some of these guys were watching their wives and girlfriends. You know, some of them would only do this once a year. It would be that weekend away, respite from being soccer mum and everything else and a trip away with the girls. But some of them went, oh, my gosh, I like this. How do I, how do, I do more of this? And 
being a billabong, you don't have to worry about tides and some of that stuff. So it's a lot easier to learn how to boat and to fish. It was, it, it, it is really a lot easier. So it was a great introduction. And I think some of the guys started to see these girls really fish. And I think they found that very attractive. And, <laughs> and I think because the girls took their fishing really seriously, they then were taking their fishing very seriously and, and accepting women as part of that fishing culture. And over the years, it just expanded like you wouldn't believe. So, so now lot, you can go out, you know, with your partner if you're in a heterosexual partnership and go fishing together maybe. That's what you see a lot of. And so a lot of the younger ones now we're seeing in their early 20s might meet a guy that fishes and has a boat, but all his friends fish and have a boat. So the whole group go out camping and fishing on their boats, even with their little babies. And so it's part of the deal. And it's almost like, well, you don't fish now, but you're going to have to. This is how it is. <laughs> you better learn. Well, you said, you know, there's a lot to learn. There's the knots and the, all the little bits of knowledge that a kid might pick up if they go fishing with their dad or their mum. How long did it take you to feel like you were proficient? I still, <laughs> still I'm still learning a lot. Um, we were very lucky that down the road was one of the most iconic fishing tackle stores in Australia, a family-owned business, 50 years in the street. So us ladies from the ABC would trot down there at lunchtime and go, OK, where should we go this weekend? Uh, what sort of tide do we look for? What sort of stuff do we use? How do we tie this knot? We drove them absolutely nuts. <laughs> we did. And to the point where... Um, you know, on a Friday afternoon, we'd finish work. We'd go, Vintage Cellars was next door. So we'd go and buy a bottle of champagne or a wine or something to finish the week and um, go into the tackle store to buy our lures and stuff. And our champagne bottles would be in the bait freezer waiting for us to finish shopping. And it was kind of a thing that that's, that was acceptable. And eventually that shop decided to have ladies, you know, sort of events. So they'd um, invite ladies and come to the shop and we'll have a ladies um, night and talk about fishing and it expanded so much that we had to close the doors it'd be over 100 women banging on the door to come in it was excellent I get the impression the social side of things is pretty important I've seen the Instagram pages of like the social events attached to some of the women's fishing comps they're, they're pretty spectacular social events oh look you know they, the ladies really like to enjoy themselves but they do take their fishing seriously and hunting like hunting's the other one too so but yes, and, and at one point I think we had five different women's fishing competitions within the year. It was phenomenal. And they had to cap those events to, you know, 50 boats. And when you're talking, that's 50 boats full of 50 women, you know, skippering their own women's teams. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, we're speaking with Rocky Edwards, who's, a, as you can hear, an avid fisher, uh, really went from a, a low bar right up to the top of the, the range here. And she's Treasurer and Public Officer of AFANT, the peak body for recreational fishing in the Northern Territory. Quick question, that stands for the Amateur Fishermen's Association of the Northern Territory. Are there any plans to change the name to reflect the fact that it's, it's you know, 50-50 now? I don't think we've ever worried about it. We just get on there. There's quite a number of women on that board as well. But that's the other thing we're seeing that's, you know, really emerged through the Northern Territory. And I have to say, I'm, you're seeing a lot of women fish in the top of Western Australia and Queensland as well. It's pretty similar. And um, But with coming back to the politics of fishing, we're now seeing a lot more women sitting on boards and, and committees that are involved with recreational fishing advisory um, 
uh, groups or committees. There's a lot more of that going on because women are starting to take a bit more notice about their fisheries and getting involved and and uh, making a stand for what they believe in and, and caring about you know this wonderful backyard we're all in and our fishery. So you know that's the other you know the the thing that it, we're not just fishing. We actually care about our environment as well. We want fishing for the generations to come. Well, and that's true of a lot of fishes, isn't it? You know, you spend time in those areas and you start to understand the, the, how the ecosystems work. Do people remain really competitive, Rocky, or is there a bit of sharing of the good fishing spots and, uh, you know, being a bit more, I don't know, community-minded out on the water? Oh, no, we're competitive. <laughs> we're competitive. Let's get real. Yeah, we're the Matildas of the fishing <laughs> industry, I think. Okay, interesting. I'll keep that in mind. Well, uh, how about when you head out of Darwin? Because I understand you were at a trade show in Brisbane recently. What do you see in other parts of the country? Um, look, there are things emerging. In fact, I was at the um, Australian Fishing Traders um, Association trade show um, and it's the massive event of the year because I'm also in the tackle industry as a career now. Um, and within you roll that, your eyes at that. That's why, you know, <laughs> just, this is what you love, obviously. Yeah, I didn't realise this is where I was going when I picked up a rod. Um, <laughs> but I found there were four different women fishing network groups that were wandering around the show. Um, you know, there's one called Worth Women in Wreck Fishing that sort of sparked in Victoria and then launching different chapters around the states. Um, there's a Women in Wreck Fishing League that's, uh, uh, I think they're looking at putting on different tournaments for women around the states, particularly the southern states. Um, and there's the Australian Women in Fishing group that's more about social media and involving women. So there's a lot going on in that space now. I think there's some momentum. And even some of the traders in the tackle industry are starting to recognise, oh, there's, there's, uh, there's something going on here. There's a lot more women getting involved, but they're also quite you know, proficient fishing women. And there's, they hold the purse strings is what I say. And, you know, the thing is if she's fishing and you're fishing, everybody's fishing, then everybody's happy because we all know that fishing is really good for mental health. Yep, yep. Well, and yeah, if you want to control the purse strings, you've got to tap into the women, <laughs> do you, for the household budget. So I understand, though, that it's not just fish that are biting in the waters around Darwin, Rocky. You, you have had any uh, encounters with crocodiles? Oh, I've had too many. Um, I've had some very nervous moments. Probably my worst was fishing at Corroboree Billabong. And at the very extreme one end, there's a little cutting that's not much wider than your boat. And if you can find it, you zip through that, it's all these little bends and stuff, and then it opens up to another lagoon. And quite often when you have it on your own, you have some good fishing. And so we'd gone through this cutting, get to this lagoon. We're the only boat in there. There's um, lots of crocs everywhere. Okay, great. So there, there was one that gave us a hard time chasing our lures through the lily, so we just kind of moved. And later in the day, we're just drifting with the wind and casting and whatever, I'd quite forgotten about him and then the next thing, oh, boom, the whole boat is rocking and moving and my friend from Queensland said, oh, I think you've hit a rock. <laughs> I said, no, we haven't. We're out of here. <laughs> so what happens is these crocodiles, when you get to know them, they live in their space and this one was quite a big crocodile. I'd just forgotten about him. And often when you turn up, he will show himself and he might be 200 metres away. And the next time you see him, he might be 100 metres. So you kind of have to watch that because he's not happy. So we kind of get used to, to keep an eye on them 
and as I get too close, then you have to get out of their space yep. because they will have a go. And I had just completely forgotten about him and he had a go. How so, big is the boat compared to the um, croc? Well, my boat's 4.4 metres and he would stretch about that easily. Yeah. Okay. Yep, that's beating a hasty retreat from my point of view. But it's it sounds like a, a really healthy culture and, and industry <laughs> around Darwin. And it's been lovely chatting with you about it today, Rocky. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. We were hearing from Rocky Edwards, recreational fisher, one of the Matildas of the fishing industry, as you heard her say, about uh, how people treat the sport around here. And she's the treasurer and public officer of AFANT, the peak body for recreational fishing in the Northern Territory. <laughs> Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.